Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Daily Objective. And we got something quite unusual to talk about today, and it will be pretty meta, as that word is often used, probably improperly, which sort of brings up the point that I wanted to discuss today, that we want to discuss today. Well, actually, I wanted to discuss this. Our co-host here was a little bit reluctant, but if there's one thing I can do, it's pressure people to discuss things, uh, which is why I'm here as the introductory host. I'm going to set the stage. Uh, what is it about the internet that sort of on one hand lends itself to the spread of ideas and on the other hand seems to really hamper it in my estimation? You know, do you know what I am saying? As they say in the streets, do you know what I am? Do you know what I am saying? It's like on one hand, we have a stage where we can reach billions of people, but on another, on the other hand, it, we are drowning in stupidity, including at times our very own stupidity, because we are not in an environment where we are challenged by anybody knowledgeable. Do you see what I'm saying? So paradoxically enough, uh, here we are. I'm certainly no uh, bona fide intellectual or philosopher. And my co-host, who I'm about to introduce, he actually is a career intellectual. Um, but like what qualifies us to here to host this show? And then what qualifies all of you to have an opinion? So paradoxically, we want you all to leave comments because it helps the show grow more popular. But on the other hand, I'll speak for myself. I have a very low opinion of most of the comments on the internet in general. Nothing against you personally leaving us comments. It's just anybody can be an expert on anything when it comes to the internet. Everybody has an opinion. Anybody can speak about any topic and we have no idea usually who these people even are. Something like Facebook sort of, sort of gives some context with the requirement for a name and picture, but even that can be manipulated. And certainly on YouTube and Twitter and uh, Discord and various other apps, Instagram, whatever, like anybody can say, can be anywhere of any age with any amount of life experience and level of knowledge, giving an opinion and influencing people perhaps, and certainly uh, not helping uh, us arrive at a clear resolution. So we're here to discuss today, what are the merits and what are the disadvantages, the limitations brought by the internet when it comes to study in general and in particular philosophy and in even more particular objectivism, which is the philosophy we ultimately hope to see spread. But I can't do that alone. Let me introduce a guy who he has spent his days studying ideas. And one of the many benefits he has brought this show and to me personally is that he does not permit the uh, frivolous use of labels. Like if somebody says, oh, those stupid Marxist Democrats he goes, whoa, 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 slow down. That's not what Marxist means. I know what Marxism is, and that's not what they are. That's just one example. And sometimes on when it comes to other factions, like the right-wingers, if people call them fascist, perhaps Nikos here will say, no, 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 well, hold on. That's not what fascism is. So we know he's way too soft on the right and way too apologetic for the left. I'm joking, of course. I, I just repeated myself saying he's, he defends everyone. So he, he, we know he's fair. Enough with my opening uh, introduction slash tangent, and let's bring him on. You know him. You love him. We all can pronounce his name perfectly thanks to my introductions. Nikos Sotirakopoulos. Thank you. Thank you. Almost perfect. So the, the short story with me is that without the internet, I would still be a Marxist-Leninist. 
Probably not, because there was uh, there is a point where you say, okay, that's enough. But when I would be disappointed with Marxism, I'd probably go to the university library and say, what's next? Keynesianism. Hmm, maybe, maybe that's it. So the the my political transition is a hundred percent thanks to the internet. Okay, not a hundred percent, but up to a big point thanks to an inter to the to the to the internet. So for for years, once I by mistake, by the equivalent of you know in YouTube who have the right side of the page where they give you suggested videos. So in YouTube's library there was such a thing and at some point it gave me a lecture by an Austrian economist and I was like, oh that's interesting. And then the equivalent of the right side they gave me some so that's that's how literally by coincidence uh, I found uh, these ideas so but also I spent years literally years without knowing in person a single classical liberal or Austrian but I managed to find some Facebook page and I knew these Greek guys which not personally but I knew the, of their existence our common friend uh, George was one of these uh, with, of these guys and I had to completely idealize them in my head. Like, oh my God, how cool are there, these guys? There are some people who believe in freedom in this other country. Maybe one day I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to meet them and oh, I feel so politically lonely. So here's the situation. Through the internet, you can learn economics in a way. So we don't like their politics, whatever. You can go to the Mises people, they have almost the entirety of good economies for free on their websites. You can learn, actually name me one thing that you cannot learn from the internet. Of course, there's a lot of crap out there, but then it's your responsibility to think. And if you think about it, it's not that different from school. So I had teachers who, if I would take whatever they told me uncritically, I could be a conspiracy theorist, a bit of an anti-Semite, whatever. That's when you live in a in a in a country where oh, that hurts. Where, that hurts, Nikos. No. Well, ahead. it hurts. That's just, that's uh, that's it's a hypothetical. It's a hypothetical. Go ahead. That's great. So, who is to blame for everything? The United States go to a meta level. Uh, Israel and uh, Turkey, or who who knows what else. So, in the same critical ability that you need to show on the internet, you need to you need to show in school. The difference is. That if you're a bit intellectually curious, internet gives you so much more, more stuff. So to begin this discussion, major thumbs up for me for the internet. And I owe so much to the internet and whatever this means, the internet, but you get what I'm saying. So in a way, I owe it my uh, political, philosophical transformation. And in a way, or even my transformation as a person, right? Yeah. So. Of course, your intellectual development it has a lot to do with who you are as a person. Now, of course, I should clarify there there are uh, the Internet is a form of technology and communication, and it can be used to replace school altogether in a in a in an effective way. And we're seeing that both before this pandemic and certainly now we we are able to have a controlled environment where a teacher teaches the younger or the the fresher generation, the 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 lesser accomplished audience slash students, I should say, 
And obviously the internet can be used for that. So you can probably go behind into a private Zoom meeting where the some Mises people teach you economics. And obviously there are multiple objectivist versions of that where you can learn objectivism and you learn it at a healthy pace. You learn it inductively about how Ayn Rand derived or developed her philosophy from life, not vice versa. She didn't think of philosophy and then, and then apply it to the world. Um, so that type of healthy learning environment, it, it certainly can be used using the technology that we are using right now. But when it comes to how the internet is largely used outside of that type of thing, social media, YouTube, uh, Twitter, all these things, is that, that's kind of what I'm bringing up. So let's say you start a YouTube channel. Can that be used effectively to really teach objectivism? Can that be used to really teach anything in a real, in a real substantive way that doesn't quickly become, you don't quickly become a slave to clicks um, and the audience doesn't hijack the direction of the show, the direction of the lesson. Um, and they don't dilute your message with dislikes or with likes or with comments. That's kind of what I'm getting at. Um, and as a viewer, what, what makes people choose your show over others or what makes them listen to your opinion versus the comments that are tearing you apart? That's kind now, of what you, I'm getting at here. Yeah. So I was trying to think, is there anything in your life that you mostly learned through the Internet? And in most of the cases, I would say there's things that I had an initial interest, but with the Internet, I really dive deep into an example would be basketball. So basketball is the biggest passion of my life. We had the NBA recap uh, episode on, on, on Monday. So I was always very interested in tactics, the actual tactics in basketball. The, so the only, and I, I, when I was young, I was buying books and stuff. Now with the internet, it's so easy, if you're interested in it, to go deep and understand. There's so many YouTube channels. At the same time, if you're a tribal hooligan or a tribal, someone who follows a team, you can go to forums and say, well, the referee is helping the other team. So the stupid thing. So, but again, it's your choice. The difference is, is that back in the day, I would have to have rich parents to send me in Yugoslavia or what used to be Yugoslavia or Serbia or Croatia or to the United States to learn basketball. The, the truly stuff. Now it's it's there on, on the internet. So, how much is democratizing this thing? And notice something, notice something. One of my favorite things in the world are the top YouTube comments. There is an element of, not of democracy, because how to put it? Usually they're very, very funny. In, in the films, with, in, in the videos with many views, the top comment is like, ah, that's so funny. I, I have two categories of videos that are my favorite. The one are the Joko Willing videos. The other are the Tony Ferguson videos. Tony Ferguson is an MMA fighter. So if you know what I'm talking about, go to the, the YouTube comments and, and uh, you will see what I mean. So it's, and if you think about it also, it's as if it's the, col I don't like the term collective, but it is in a way, it's the collective memory of humanity, for example, in YouTube, right? Is there anything that you've ever wanted to find that you can't find it there? Songs, old basketball games. Now, it's, it's very dangerous that you can fall in the loophole. At the beginning of the pandemic, by the way, 
I there were some a couple of days that I was in a big nostalgic uh, rabbit hole. And you know what I noticed? When the crisis was at its peak in Greece, not this crisis, the economic crisis, people would spend a lot of time on YouTube watching old TV series, old movies. There's something dangerous there, right? So in a way, whatever we are, the internet is. In 1950, if my grandmother was in a very bad mood, she would read old books or she would sit by herself and think of old times. Now, when we are in a bad mood, we think of old times by watching old TV series on YouTube. So whatever is there, it is magnified. But for people like ourselves who consider ourselves productive or ambitious or whatever, this is a gift that is, it's unimaginable of what value it is for us. Look, like I said, the internet is a form of technology and all technology can be used for good or for evil and uh, can be of great benefit or it can make people lazy. Um, so there's a lot of good that comes from the internet. I mean, you and I are about the same age, I think. We're, we're like the first generation to have like internet access probably growing up. I mean, assuming you had it access to it. No, no. I, I had access after in the mid high school no actually towards the end of high school so okay i was i was well, i think in like around 1995 or so when i was seven eight years old i remember i looked up garfield you know that was oh, i love garfield the cat and the first thing that popped up was the comic strip from 1978 so that speaks to kind of your nostalgic um the uh, point about what the internet can offer i learned that garfield was not just a cartoon on at that time it was actually based on a comic strip from before I was born in which Garfield looks nothing like the cartoon version. He was an actual fat, sloppy, ugly cat. Anyway. Um, and yeah, the internet absolutely shaped how I look at the world. I mean, I, I saw, I fell in love with like a certain type of rock music, like punk rock. And then I got online and I see all these people talking about how punk rock doesn't get along with pop music and it doesn't get along with rap music. So I was sort of, picking my team and developing my sort of identity based on these things. But I don't know who these people were typing this. They're probably, you know, 13 year old punks. I'll say they're just like some kids in their parents' basement or parent. They're, you know, they're, their mom was letting them use the internet so they can talk about punk rock. There's a lot we don't know about people, but I, I, I hate to say it, but I'm glad that the sort of objectivist, uh scene wasn't really on the internet when i was reading rand for the first time and when i was starting to think and mull over this philosophy and what rand was offering i'm kind of for me i'm i'm glad i wasn't bombarded with all these youtubers and commenters on the internet uh telling me here's what all, what it all means so okay that's so interesting yeah so do you think You've seen these memes that said, thank God I grew up in the 80s and the 90s and we're playing basketball. In some very weird and mysterious way, I, f I agree with this. So I like the fact that till I was 15, 16, I was playing outside till late and all that stuff. Now this is a huge idealization of the past, whatever. But do you think that, and you, so you mentioned this about objectivism. So what do you think was the biggest gain of you not engaging in the, either the drama or the false information about objectives and basically having the books. 
I got to really think about it firsthand. Like this was mine. This was my experience. This was mine to learn. And, uh, and it meant something to me. I was sort of integrating it with my values and, um, and it wasn't about personalities. That's the thing. It wasn't about certain people that were talking about these ideas, which is once you associate the philosophy with certain people, it's very dif difficult to separate it. Now, I do think there are certain people, and you and I probably would agree on who those people are, that accurately speak in the name of objectivism. But it's very easy for people, especially young students of objectivism, to quickly be swept off their feet by YouTubers. And I could be potentially one of those people. And you, in, in, in a, in a if, if, if you're not careful, can accidentally mislead people as well. It's that uh, we, we need to be careful to remind the audience that we're not, like, we're learning this same as them. Maybe we're a, a few years more advanced, but... I mean, this is a, a lifetime dedication to studying and understanding. It's a specialized science. So um, it wasn't about personalities for me, and it wasn't about reading comments. I mean, so, I, I mean, we're, we're barely scratching the surface of this topic today because, like, just YouTube comments, uh, just like, you know, text messages and uh, Facebook comments and Discord comments, they, they sort of need to condense the a philosophic worldview into very, very um, limited content, which might be good and self-contained, but that attracts rationalists like flies to, you know what, on the sidewalk. It, 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 they love it. They love arguments. They love self-contained text piece bodies that, that are like, that stand against argument. Look, if, if, all were, if, if philosophy was all about arguments, objectivism would lose because anyone can say, oh, no, there's a contradiction here. There's not really a contradiction. If you, if you learn the philosophy inductively, you see why seeming contradictions, it's really just different angles of looking at the same point. But I know I'm, what I'm saying now is abstract, so it, maybe it's hard for you to really uh, get, what, get what I'm getting no, at. That's, no, that's, well, let, me, let me just uh, sum up what I'm saying here is that the primary... Uh, challenge with objectivism is not to become rationalistic about it. And I think the internet, the type of content you get on the internet, it draws rationalists. It draws ideas detached from reality. You have some thoughts. Go ahead. Right. So, yeah. And the typical thing is you post, you say something and someone, their answer is a link. And this link is like an eight page article and it's like, read it. Anyway. Yeah. I get what you say. So two things. First, I really recognize what you said. So what was my first contact with an objectivist organization. So again, I was talking one of these walls of Facebook walls of objectivists or people friendly to objectivists because I didn't know anyone in real life. Well, we weren't even Facebook friends. I would find them through groups. Anyway, people, I'm not that creepy. It's, it's, it's less creepy than it's out. Anyway, and I find this article, which was something like praising Pinochet. Turns out there are two, no, actually there's one objectivist uh, big institution it's the other one which is not really anyway it was from atlas uh, society mm -hmm. but i was i was a newbie so i was like uh, atlas so this oh because you know i got to wikipedia atlas is a objectivist i was like so objectivist like pinochet that sucks so for for a long time my my thing was so i i like ayn rand but objectivists are nutters because they like Pinochet. So obviously what they want is a dictatorship and all that. Stuff. And then I, I reach 
part three, part three of Atlas Shrugged, no spoiler, where this hero is put in a difficult situation, but says, no, I'm not going to be a dictator. So imagine, as you said, if if I would take this in, in you know, unquestionably say, oh, so, well, this objective is saying Pinochet is cool, therefore, whatever. Anyway, so I recognize what, what you're saying and the danger. But I, I, again, at the end of the day, it's your responsibility to judge and figure out who are these people who posted the, who posted the, this, uh, this article. I the agree. It's thing, your, go ahead. Sorry. It's, it's I agree. I agree. Look, I agree. It's your responsibility ultimately as an audience member. But I just want to point out my, my primary concern is not about like just random stupid people associating Rand with Pinochet and, and making and spreading misinformation. I mean, that's bad enough. But what I'm really concerned with is the smart people these smart people who are not accurately cultivated to direct their intellect towards properly understanding the philosophy. So it's very easy for them to be mistaken for real philosophers because they themselves think they're getting it right. Um, so basically we've bypassed higher education here on the internet. We've bypassed paying your dues, sitting in a classroom and asking a teacher, tell me what you know. We've bypassed that now to the point where anybody who's uh, a bit more advanced intellectually is able to uh, basically sit in the professor's chair. By the way, how many things have changed, right? So when I said there are two objectives organizations, at that point, I didn't know anything else. But today, I mean, there's so many people who do work. So Anand Sender is an, is an example. It is an objectivist organization. So it doesn't make sense to say there is one. But again, people will be, need to be very careful so what did Nico say or Raka said? What are not what are not not even what are their credentials? What did they say? Even if you know I present myself as the biggest authority, which we are not, we're students. So, but the other point I wanted to say, last thing. So I come from a small, I have a family roots from a small village somewhere between a mountain and the Cretan Sea. It's very interesting if you see the patterns in a small village, how they're not miles away from the patterns on the internet. So many of the good things, any of the bad things that are happening on the internet, you see it also in the small villas. I mentioned the top liked comments. The equivalent is if you go in the square, the super cool and fun guys at the center and there are people around him saying funny stories. So you can spot the, the but also the gossip, this culture of, a bit resentment, oh, I don't like this person, or did you did you see what did they do? What they did. So quite so human beings usually are the patterns of behavior are the same, right? So yes, there are many people who become even worse through the internet. I've told you many times my number one topic that my students speak for their essays is social media and body image. And they believe that today people have lower self-esteem because of social media. Whereas it's the other way around. You have to ask, why is the, the, the idea of self-esteem so undermined today that people, they see some, someone attractive on Instagram and, it, and their self-esteem drops. Anyway, as usually we said, this is gonna last probably 10 minutes. This topic, there's nothing to say. We're already 25 minutes in, but uh, Raka did the heavy lifting today. So I'll let him do the outro. Yeah, my ultimate point here is not so much that people are rude. And I mean, it is that it is that people are flashy with their wisecracks, which can be mistaken for intellect, 
Obviously, uh, I've done my share of that type of thing. And obviously, I've benefited greatly from the internet. I've learned a lot and I've utilized the internet, obviously, to, uh, to pursue the life that I've wanted. So none of this is meant to say that the internet was a mistake, although sometimes it feels that way. My ultimate point here is that philosophy is a specialized science and science is a specialized science. I, what I mean is uh, studying does, is not something you can do in uh, like, uh, like driving through McDonald's. You know what I'm saying? Do you know what I am saying, as they say in the, in the streets? Can I say one last thing when Please. you're done? Well, I'm just my point is when I'm done, the, 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 it's not, it's not, you can't have an express version of actual study. It takes a lot of patience and it takes real teachers. It takes people that actually have dedicated themselves just like you're a, you know, just like I'm a full-time entertainer. You're a full-time uh, t- actual teacher of whatever it is you're teaching at, at your university. I don't know. Look, I don't have time to talk about everything, but um. You know, just like you wouldn't want the students in your classroom with the, mo- the highest social media following to replace you as the teacher. Imagine that. See, that clicked with you. That's the point I'm making here today is that the, the bona fide teacher gets to be the teacher. And without that element, uh, we're in bad shape. Back to you. Close us out. Um, anyway, but I'll say one last thing. Thank God there was no social media or YouTube when I was 20. Thank God there, my views in my Stalinist, Marxist, Leninist, whatever days, thank God that everything that is out there is the interview with Raga and my reflection on it. Because, and it's not only, even if, even if since, day, since the age of eight, I was an objective, I'm sure that specifically with how today we view this offense archaeology, like, oh, let's see what Raga wrote when he was 12. Oh, or no, let's see you'd, what- be, you'd be getting, you'd be getting uh, the opposite of canceled. You'd be a highly paid Marxist intellectual today. <laughs> and that might, but that might in all seriousness have prevented you from giving objectivism serious consideration because so many of your, you know, uh, luxuries in life were, were tied into speaking events and women throwing themselves at you because you're a flashy, cool Marxist in their eyes. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's hard it's hard to really be hungry for the truth when so many concrete values are integrated with. So I think you, your, your, your career as a Marxist might've benefited from the internet if, uh, if it had, if you had used it properly. So there was something very deep in what you just said. So let's end it here because we're reaching out. Okay. An hour, to be continued, to be, to continued. be continued. Okay. Thanks right. everyone. Bye.